0: Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can find the show online at buildingthefutureshow.com or follow me on Twitter at Building Show. You can also find it on iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. I'm excited to announce that I am now a brand ambassador for the Business Rock Summit in Manchester, England, April 21st and 22nd, where Steve Wozniak is headlining. More details at business-rocks.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Bob Fitz, founder and producer of Supex, the Startup Expo. Bob, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me again, Kevin. How are things today in Canada?
0: Oh, pretty good. We're supposed to get a big snow fall today, but I can't complain because we haven't had really any snow yet this year, So, and it's almost uh, the end of November. So, <laughs> And it's in sunny Florida, right? I'm assuming it's sunny.
1: Yeah, well, actually... We're having a cold spell, but you would not like how I would describe a cold spell. Uh,
0: Yeah, do you have to put on like a jacket or something? Is that a cold spell down in Florida?
1: Long pants, if you get the (laughs) idea. Long pants. (laughs) T-shirt, long pants, I got you. Actually, that's exactly right. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, anyway, good to be back on the show. Good to talk to you, and good to be seeing you here in a couple of months down at CPEX
0: yeah, I'm, I'm excited about uh, coming down and, and how things are coming together with that. So maybe just for our, our listeners, um, Bob has been on the show before. Um, he has a previous there's a previous episode on uh, Building the Future Show where we kind of cover the full conference and uh, kind of what it's all about. But I would still kind of like like you to give uh, the listener another overview of uh, what exactly the Startup Expo is and kind of why you're doing it and and why it's important.
1: Yeah, well, the SUPEX, the Startup Expo, and if people are interested, they can go to sup-x.org. Uh, SUPEX is a two-day international conference and exposition for... Uh, the early stage community it's going to be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida which is for those who don't know exactly where that is, it's just 20 miles from Miami, they're basically the same thing Um, we have about 75,000 square feet at the convention center it's a two day event Uh, we're expecting about 1500 attendees from throughout North America Um, uh, the first day is very intensive workshops, Uh, we have a women's forum for women entrepreneurs and women's investors and the afternoon is very pragmatic workshops for entrepreneurs, and uh, that makes for a long day. So then we have our opening reception. The next day is a conference. It's fairly traditional in structure, you know, general sessions, keynotes, breakouts. Uh, Startup Canada is one of our partners. We have uh, about three dozen entrepreneurs, uh, focused uh, nonprofits, and also accelerators throughout North America that are our partners, helping us uh, get the word out. We also have a startup competition. Um, you just have to buy a ticket to the event, but the, the event's very cheap, and that's on purpose because the, the entrepreneurs are the star of the show, so you can get a ticket for only $99. Uh, we take uh, the top 50 applicants to our startup competition, get a booth on our exhibit hall floor for free next to our corporate paying sponsors. And then we'll have uh, the very last general session is a, a fast-pitch competition, and we award $50,000 in cash and prizes to the uh, top three uh, Who placed in the top three of that? Um, we're also arranging feeder startup competitions around uh, the US and Canada to feed into those 50 slots So there are certain cities uh, around the country around North America that we're working with to identify uh, a semi-finalist from their area and uh, so there's a lot going on it should be a really cool event it's a great time of the year to be in south florida the weather is amazing here in florida it really is uh, down in the miami era in february and then you know we'll have speakers from all over north america uh, you know investors and other people and it, it, it should be a really cool event we're super excited about it if you look on the website on the speakers page you can get a really good sense of the quality of the people that we've recruited so far to speak. Uh, we've uh, recruited about half of the 55 speakers that we'll have by February, and then if you go on the sponsors page, you can kind of get a sense of the quality of the organizations that have chosen to affiliate with us, and we're proud of having them uh, be our partners.
0: Sure. No, that's awesome.
1: What? Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, uh, of course, I forgot to mention the date. Uh <laughs> it's it's, all good. Uh, it's it's February 16th and 17th of 2016. So if you're in the U.S., that would be the two days immediately after President's Day, which is Monday, February 15th.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome. And uh, just for the listener, that if you're going to be at the conference, I'm going to actually be at the conference recording um, shows for the radio show, and they will air in Atlanta, and then they'll be turned into a podcast as well. And uh, the podcast is actually being listened to in over 50 countries now, so... You know, and the oh, show, wow. yeah, exactly. And even um, just for example, Bob, your show has, um, the show airs Tuesdays and Thursdays in Atlanta, like new shows. And then the other days of the week, it just gets um, repeated. So your show, your past shows even aired a bunch of times as well in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it does, the show does get quite a bit of exposure. And I've got quite a bit, a uh, big social network as well from, you know, Twitter and LinkedIn as well. And so, you know just being on the show I think could potentially really help some people out there and you know I am always looking for people to be on the show so definitely reach out to me and I think you know what you guys are doing with the Startup Expo is super important and, and super interesting and that's kind of why I want to be a part of it.
1: Well that's very kind of you, first of all and second of all we're, we're really pleased to have you as a partner. Um, it is a cool event I, I don't mean to say i like I'm bragging but As someone who – I also run a nonprofit that's focused on uh, the entrepreneur world. and uh, I've seen good events and I've seen bad events, and we're excited about what this one wants to be and what it's shaping up to be. It it really will be a cool place. I mean, it's not expensive, and that's important. Uh, We want entrepreneurs to be able to come from afar, and we recognize that they'll have to spend money to travel to get here, but we want them to then look at the event and see that, the opportunities to learn and to network and uh, to potentially uh, exhibit and and compete in the startup competition. We want those to be uh, attractive enough, but priced reasonably enough that they can still incur travel costs and participate, not also then have to spend a ton of money. Uh, And it'll be a nice large event. So, you know, the the scale is important because you'll meet, you know, really cool investors and other entrepreneurs and technologists and, customers and all kinds of contacts from throughout the US and Canada so we're really really excited about it and very glad that you're going to be down here helping.
0: Yeah no I'm, I'm excited and I think it's going to be interesting because um, I also signed a deal um, to do the show's going to be doing uh, TV episodes in the new year and uh, season one is going to be filmed in Atlanta but season two which will probably be summer of next year will actually be filmed in in your area so you know maybe we can maybe we can get you on the the tv show in uh 2016.
1: Well I'm not sure about that Kevin I have a face for radio (laughs) but but uh (laughs) but uh, I'm certainly happy to I'm certainly happy if if you're going to be down here I'm certainly happy to uh help you uh find the right people interview for your show and that's great and we're actually getting ready to make an important announcement we have a a guy who's nationally famous for for a TV show about startups is going to be saying our show. I can't announce it yet, but it's, we're excited. So cool! Glad you're going to be here. Tell me when we get offline sometime. Tell me more about that, and I'm I'm happy to help you.
0: Sure. No, that's awesome. So maybe let's cover a little bit about kind of investment and raising capital. I I know you have kind of a background in that, and I th- I think it's really useful for for the listener to talk about that kind of stuff.
1: Well, I will, but uh, as you know, uh, I'm a little ADD, and I'm going to take you off the path first, if that's mm-hmm. okay, because there's, sure. something, important. there's it's kind of something important that I, I think that entrepreneurs understand. Unfortunately, I think raising capital is overemphasized in the okay. startup world. Why um, do you say I that? What I, well, because I think people see stories of, Mark Zuckerberg and you know this, the gal at Theranos who's now in a little bit of trouble, you know people who create unicorns and you know you know they have, then they're on TV and they have jets and the big life and you know they're giving away money to charities and they still have the big life. I mean, it's, uh, I think it's we've glamorized the startup world and everybody wants to be a unicorn. To be a unicorn, you got to go raise a billion dollars and blah blah blah. You know, only one in ten thousand startups ever get venture capital money.
0: Really it's interesting. I didn't know well, it was that low. One,
1: yeah, it's that low. And uh, and you can go to the Angel Resource Institute or others, and there's you know people have their own research. But whether it's one in ten thousand or one in thousand, it's not one in a hundred. <laughs> it's not one <laughs> in ten. And I think people think it is. Now, when I say these things, keep in mind that I'm my full-time job, occupation, and passion is the startup world, so I never want to diminish enthusiasm, but I do think a dose of reality is important. And sure. You, you, needn't, you needn't, Ray, you needn't build the next Facebook or Google to inc- to create an incredibly cool company, you know, so, you know, uh, and, and there's so much emphasis on raising money that I think what some people think is, oh, I'll just, I put together a plan and it's a really cool plan, and I'll put it on a piece of paper, and then I'll go raise money around it, and then we'll do everything. And you know that couldn't be further from how you really go about doing it. And so you wanted to start uh, talk about raising capital, and I'll, we can talk about the proper way to do it. But more and more, I see, um, I see, uh, uh, you know, want, what we what we call now, want entrepreneurs. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, we see entrepreneurs who really just want to hang out in the co workspace and and act like they're entrepreneurs, and then uh, and and then we see what I call bong hit businesses.
2: Okay. <laughs> which
1: are which are like you know, dude, wouldn't it be great if we had this app where you could make this you know gorgeous waitress appear with our Heineken without ever leaving our bar stool,
2: and uh,
1: they really. And, and by the way, I see that app about five times a year, so it's really an example. It wasn't I was just not just being funny, but that's hilarious. Um, but so my point is is that an idea, a really good idea, actually, a really good idea and a and a business aren't the same thing. Sure. Um, you know, a really good idea. Then has to be really, really scrutinized and poked holes in by a lot of other smart people who've got a lot more experience than you, and it really has to be vetted and then eventually, you know, tested and and we'll talk about this more as we start coming of the capital raising process. But it's not the same thing, and so I, when I say that we overemphasize the capital raising piece, I say that because what I also want to say is is that. Most startups should not even think about getting into business unless they're willing to bootstrap it themselves for you know one to three years, working part time at night and on weekends until they've validated the concept, uh, built out uh, the model, uh, put together some mode of infrastructure, uh, and created uh, if if not the basis for traction, actual traction before they go raise money and and so they're putting in their own sweat equity literally and their own money uh, and their and then friends and family money and if they're not willing to do that then they're then they are kind of entrepreneurs they've watched too many shark tank episodes you know they need to step away from the kool-aid
0: interesting Um, yeah it's interesting that you say that because I, so many people give you advice that you need to like quit your full-time job and yeah. give it all. And you know, there's a lot of stuff in the media over the last couple of years where that's ruined people's lives because they've spent I, everything, and it just never went anywhere.
1: Well, you know, look, you're a reasonably smart guy. I'm a reasonably smart guy. I'm not a genius. <laughs> <I know laughs> Neither am I. I. Smart <laughs> enough. I know that I'm smart enough to know that I'm not. And guess what? I know lots of really, really smart people who are way smarter than them, and almost all of them aren't geniuses either. Yeah, fair. So unless you're a unless you're a genius and you have come across like you have just a, a phenomenal idea that in terms of like the development of intellectual property, I mean it is it is really uh, game changing. Most people are going to come up with some pretty cool businesses that have commercial potential, mm-hmm. um, but they're not going to be Uber, and that's okay. I don't think everyone has to be Uber in order to create a good business. Sure. Um, so, um, so I do think that as a result of that, the reality is is that no one, unless you are that needle in a haystack genius. And you should be honest with yourself, if you're listening to this, more than likely you're not, and that's okay. You can still be really smart without being a genius. Uh, Unless you're that, then, you know, you're probably not going to find anybody to invest in you until they're reasonably sure you've invested a lot in something yourself, and so has your family. Because if your dad or your uncle uh, won't invest in it, and you haven't invested in it, why on earth should they?
0: No, that's good Um, advice.
1: And so... Um, that, you know, to every exception, there are rules. I'm not saying this is this for everybody, but I'm talking to the general audience of entrepreneurs out there. You better be prepared to bootstrap it. And, you know, you're more like the, what the model was 20 years ago, which is the guy, in the guy, well, then it would have been a guy in the garage, but now it's a guy in the gal wherever, probably a Starbucks actually, but uh, <laughs> not in the garage, but, 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 you know, it's going to be something that you do at night and weekends until it develops enough that you can actually then try to raise enough money to make the lead. So that's a really long-winded introduction about raising capital. I also think the other thing is that so now that you're committed to bootstrapping it and you know what the reality is, I think the next focus isn't, again, on raising capital, and everybody thinks it is. The focus is on customers. Sure. Businesses are businesses are in business to create a customer base. Uh, it's not just about raising capital and trying to hit, hit a grand slam and you think you're going to retire or something. I mean, a, a business exists to serve some sort of customer base, and so I would suggest placing a lot more emphasis on uh, figuring out how you're going to uh, access that customer base and convert them and service them and expand that base um, than overemphasizing the capital piece. Look, I'm not naive, and I know the people in the audience are. And I'm not saying that you don't have to raise capital. I mean, it's like gas in a gas tank, and you know, without it, the car doesn't move. I'm just saying that an enhanced uh, emphasis on uh, responding to your customers' needs and adapting your products or your services, your offerings. To those needs, so that it's more, uh, more commercial, uh, is more valuable in the long run. The more cu- the more customer traction you have, the more the more money you can raise, or the the mu- or you can raise the money at a better price. I mean, the other concept that people need to understand is when they're raising money, you don't raise money, you buy money. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Know, okay. So can you elaborate you buy- a bit
0: on that? I'm I'm curious to know kind of why you you call it or you you say it like that
1: the reason i say it like that is because i want people to understand what it really is you don't you don't when you get a loan you don't you're not borrowing money you're buying money the price of that money is the interest rate Mm
0: -hmm, okay that makes sense
1: so you know money has a price you know uh, equity has a price it's not you know, yes, I. You know, it's raised, but I, I'm I'm being a little facetious in order to drive a point home. And the point is, is that money has a price, mm-hmm. and the price the price is the the percentage of the valuation or other you know other economic and non-economic terms that uh, go along with that. Whether those are control or you know, there's a, a lot of other terms that can be involved. And so. Um, it's important to understand that the stronger your business is, typically because of the traction it has, the more you can control those prices in those terms. And again, just another reason to emphasize uh, commercializing the product it needs to be a higher emphasis than the one that the startup world kind of glamorizes uh, about you know, raising capital and being on Shark Tank and creating the next unicorn. So look, that's my old guy speech, Kevin. You uh, see, you got a 10-minute answer before. We're not even talking about raising capital, but that was <laughs> the uh, that's the long-winded caveat that I wish people would pay more attention to. Well, no, but but, but we I think that's good advice.
0: I think that's really good advice because I, I think you're right. I, so many people's business model is, well, do you have any customers? Well, no. I'm just going to sell my big idea to you know. Twitter, Facebook, or, uh, Google. And you're like, well, their biggest business is customers <laughs> or users, I guess. <laughs> so I, no, I think it's really good advice.
1: Well, we'd all have great businesses if someone would give us a $50 million marketing budget and wouldn't. we? Sure. Of course. I mean, you know, so, um, and one other, one other concept to understand to people about how the 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 their ideas in the venture world work not angel but like venture you know so you so just so people understand do maybe want to cover what the
0: difference between venture and angel is I think some people don't really understand that
1: like the progression about how money is typically categorized along the way is you know there's your your sweat equity which is you know whatever you're putting in of your own time and and uh, and bootstrapping it which is your own money then there's friends and family or as some people uh, sarcastically call it, uh, friends, family, and fools. Uh, and <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the next set of progression. And, and then, then after that, you're probably going and talking to an angel group. And angel groups typically invest in companies within about uh, 90 minutes to three hours from where they're located, and that's because they're hands-on, uh, you know, uh, they want to be involved, and not and involved doesn't mean just monitor progress. I think people need to understand that, you know, you want people to be involved because we all only know what we know, and so you want people involved. You know, not only is money has a price, but when you go raise money, you're looking for a partner. Sure, it's not like taking your company public, which is totally different. That's we haven't even, that's way at the other end of the spectrum, but in the early stages of your company, you're looking for Partners who are also investing in you so they know the vertical you're in so if you're in con, you know some kind of consumer good then you know you, you know you might want a guy on your board who used to be at you know, Procter & Gamble or PepsiCo or something like that, sure. so you're looking at people that have commercial contacts that would benefit your company or they have if you're a software company they understand you know uh, about the software development distribution you're looking for expertise that accompanies that money. So, again, so now we've we've had you've investors, you've bootstrapped, then there's friends and family, then there are angels, and they're going to invest on a regional basis. And now we have what are called seed series funds, which are a relatively new phenomenon, and that is, it used to be you kind of did the friends, family, and angel stuff, and then eventually got big enough and you went and tried to raise VC money. And now there's kind of more seed uh, series, which is, these are funds, and they're 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 typically put together put together by either what people refer to as super angels or the seeds themselves, who uh, they're smaller funds and invest smaller dollar amounts. So they might put out money in fifty thousand to a million dollar chunks. Okay. Um, you know, and that's called seed. And then after seed series, you go to what's you know, more traditionally referred to as venture capital, even though technically all of this is. But and, and venture capital is when you go and raise what you're called your A round, and your you know your A round. Depending on which vertical you're in, et cetera, the characteristics of your business are, are different. But you know, by the time you've gone to get an A round, you have significant. You either have significant uh, revenues. Or uh, well, you do have significant revenues, and your and your and your in your pathway to profitability is visible, although it could be a ways off. Um, you know, there's the there's, the path itself is pretty well known, and okay. and that's that's broad, not entirely accurate as to the breakdowns, but that's generally the path. And then once you have a Series A, I mean, you know, you can have a Series A, B, C, D. I mean, it can go pretty deep into the alphabet. And then eventually, a company is typically, uh, you know, taken public or, you know, uh, permanently private if someone wants to keep it that way. Typically, not through a fund, though. That's it. That's okay. That's kind of the. That's broadly the progression. Sure. But so, most people, most people aren't going to get deep in that alphabet, is my point.
0: Sure. No, that makes total sense. So. Let's say I have a company and I, you know, kind of boot sweat equity and it's been around for a couple of years. I have some customers, you know, maybe I'm not quite profitable or maybe I am. And I I do want to kind of get um, a little bit of investment. What do investors kind of want to see at that kind of early stages? And maybe we cover kind of what investors want to see at each one of the kind of investment stages.
1: Sure. So, um, So you've done the friends and family thing and you've raised, say, 50 grand and you've put your your own money in it. Now it's time to raise a more substantial amount to uh, further uh, establish uh, the product market fit and um, to help you uh, develop some small amount of infrastructure. And part of that might just be simply converting you from an unpaid to a paid employee and giving you some more marketing dollars to hire somebody, you know, to come on full time to help market. But it's, it's basically to take uh, the garage into more of an operating business. And so you're going to go raise, you know, angel rounds can be, you know, as small as say. Twenty-five to fifty thousand dollars, and they could be up to several hundred thousand dollars. And if that's the case, you know, you're not raising from one angel group for the most part. You're probably going several places because they're, in general, angels groups. Unless you're in, say, New York or Silicon Valley, most regional angel groups don't have the 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 ability to, you know, put in, uh, you know, two, three, four, five hundred thousand dollars into something. Sure. Um, and so it'll be spread out. And, but, um, so you're looking at, you know, a max of a couple hundred thousand dollars from an angel realm. Okay.
0: Typically. And, and how do you pitch that or how do you reach out to kind of an angel round or group?
1: Well, angel, you know, depending on where you live, I mean, some of this stuff, you know, you just Google, you know, angel groups in, you know, whatever your, your area sure. is. Sure.
2: Okay. You
1: know, Atlanta or whatever. And you can find angel groups throughout and then the more research you do the better uh you really need to understand uh who the what what do they like to invest in what verticals are in and what verticals are out it does no good for you to have a you know medical device company uh idea and you're going and trying to raise money from a company that well doesn't do medical devices so sure. I mean do a little bit of do a little bit of research find out who the groups are, read their website. If it doesn't say explicitly, it's possible, most of them should, if it doesn't say explicitly what they do and don't invest in, call the executive director, Uh, you know, send them an email, find out more. Then then you want to find out, you know, what uh, if they do, uh, you know, invest in your vertical, when's the last time they did it, Uh (laughs) you know, you just want to get a sense of the activity of the organization. Sure. You know, there's some angel groups that are pretty sleepy and there's some angel groups that are pretty active. You know, you don't wanna you know, you need to be talking to a lot of people in the process because it's a great way to meet people and people in the angel world are typically benevolent and helpful and so, you know, making contact is important, but you know, you also don't want to spend a lot of time uh, you know, there's a saying, you fish where the fish are. We well, don't need to fish where they aren't. So <laughs>
2: the,
1: more, the more that you learn uh, about the group, the better. And so now let's say that you've identified the proper angel group and it's time to start talking to them. Usually just the conversation uh, happens in a couple of ways. First of all, it's important that a warm introduction, like most things in life, is a lot easier than a cold introduction. Sure. So if you know somebody that knows somebody... Um, and they can take a look, that's helpful. But I will say that a lot of the angel groups that are really busy, uh, unless you really know someone really closely who's on the board and you get them to kind of almost sponsor your – or champion, I guess is a better term, champion your deal, most angel groups in at least large cities are so active they see hundreds and hundreds of deals a year that – um, unless you have a really strong relationship where someone can spend time with you personally and decide that they're interested in the deal for their group or even themselves personally and, and champion it to the group to at least let you come pitch. And that's hard to do because most people aren't going to have those relationships. Most of these groups are so busy that they'll do one of two things. They'll say, okay, uh, email us a pitch deck and I'll explain about Pitch fix in a minute. Okay. Or they'll say, oh well go apply to our Gust portal for instance. Gust is a uh, online uh, the uh, angel community uh, investment tool that portal really that just a huge percentage of angel groups in the United States use and there's others, Ventures 360, etc. But basically it's a online template that you fill out that captures you know, really critical data about your business, and then these groups or their executive director look at all the people that have applied that month, and they say, okay, well, out of those, you know, 100, these let let these eight or ten look pretty good. Maybe we'll have you know half of those come pitch this month, and um, it, this again is the reason why, if you do have warm relationships, it's important. The amount of deals that come at people is staggering, and they have a hard time sifting through them, sure. so um, just keep in mind that it's it's hard to get in front of these. So that's the dust portal. Now, some some groups will say, uh, "Send us a deck, you know, pitch deck," mm-hmm. and um, you know, a pitch deck. You can Google what's in a good pitch deck, how to do a good pitch deck, etc. So it's not hard to find how to do this, which is amazing because how crappy most pitches are. Uh, They're really bad and they needn't be when there's so many examples out there of what a good deck should look like. But most of them are not good. Um, Now sometimes they're not good because the person running the business is not, doesn't have kind of marketing and presentation skills. So you might have a guy who's a great software developer who's got a great idea and it really is great, but that person is, you know, kind of probably of an engineering or technical uh, perspective and hasn't put together a lot of presentations in some cases. And the problem with that is is that a lot of good ideas will not get seen as as, as a result of that. So, someone involved in your process needs to go, needs to know how to put together a decent deck. So, what is a decent deck? A Wait, deck should sorry, never be... sorry
0: to interrupt you, but I'm curious then, would you get potentially get somebody else to pitch your company if you're not very good at public speaking
1: i don't think so and the reason is i don't the reason is is that um you're just gonna (laughs) look if you're gonna be a business owner there's many things you're gonna have to be and being better at presentations is one of them you're gonna have to learn how to be now you might need to have look all good partnerships are based on people having complementary skill sets Right. If, you're, uh, if you're a hyper tech guy then you you know somewhere in your team is going to need to be more of a business ops kind of marketing guy sure. and so maybe that's the guy that pitches and then you're at the pitch too but you're there when they start asking questions about okay so how does the you know whatever your IP is how does it work and then you know you can answer it and you know in geek speak but someone's got to speak English in that room, sure. uh, and so uh, But I, if your point is should it be outsourced, the answer is it can't be outsourced, no one has the passion like an insider, No, um, and so someone on your team does have to be able to speak it, but a deck is never longer than 15 slides, and that's, And the first page is the cover, and the last page is your contact information, so you're really talking 13 pages of, or slides of what i call the meat okay and and those are there's people depending on what you're talking about the order can be kind of different but in general um it's pretty linear and very basic i mean what is the what is the problem to be solved okay um you know what is, the, what is the business problem that's being, that, that need, someone needs to figure out a way to solve it in a better manner? What is the problem? Okay, what's the problem? Second, how, what, what is it that you're offering to do to solve it? Uh, and that can be a slide or two. Um, who is the team? And keep in mind, for most startups, people are investing in the team uh, every bit as much as, as much as they are the idea. Because the team is the you know what is the the likelihood that this great idea ever comes to pass? Sure. How are you? How how is this thing ever going to get done? So, you know, headshots, bios of, or at least bios of all the key players and what their roles are in the company. Uh, What's the market like? Uh, You know, who are your competitors? Why is your offering, and how is your offering different? And a lot of times, this is kind of a grid with check marks. You know. These are the key things, and here each of the columns is the companies, and there's check marks, and inevitably the company in the deck has more check marks than everybody else, but at least it's comparative. Right. Um, it, you know, what's your go-to-market strategy? And this is probably gets more overlooked than anything else. Okay, great. You've defined the problem, you understand the market, and you've told us what the solution mm-hmm. is. How's that going to happen? And that's what people never think through. But is- you know, dis- Distribution is... So hard, yet people don't pay much attention to it. How are you actually going to get from your office desktop into customers' hands? You know, is it going through value-added resellers? Are you going to do inbound marketing? Is there a digital marketing strategy? You know, is it a traditional marketing strategy? You know, what is how how what is the marketing plan? How's it going to get sold? So so is that um, kind of
0: tying into your point about you know figuring out your customer base based on kind of bootstrapping for, you know, a year or two to three years or, or whatever that timeline is. Because then that kind of answers that question. You're like, well, I already defined the market. I have I have the market. Is that kind of
1: fair to yeah. say? Yeah, it is. And I, look, I you know, not everybody needs to test their product for, you know, two, th- two or three years. But sure. look, you, you do need to have, uh, you know, some proof of concept is what it's called. And proof of concept is not well, you know. I talked to my 20 aunts, uncles, cousins, and best friends, and they loved it. Uh, You know, proof of concept is okay. Well, we actually, you know, we use Survey Monkey, which would be a simple way, you know, around with some pretty well thought out questions that weren't designed necessarily just by us, or or we actually, you know did test research or we built a prototype and had it, you know, had it used by the following groups or, you know, you need actual customer experience. You know, your your investors are going to want to see that. And the more more, uh, proof of concept, the more viable you you are, the more uh, investable you are. Uh, You need that too. Forget the investors. You need the feedback of that experience. But anyway, the go-to-market strategy section of uh, most decks is what's overlooked the most, and it's what I think most entrepreneurs overlook. And that is, okay, how does nifty idea uh, get converted to cash? Sure. Um, and it's much much harder than people think. Um, uh, so uh, your go-to-market strategy, and then also, you know, what what are the economics of all this? Uh, your deck should at least have uh, kind of a high-level plan, you know, a three- to five-year outlook um, with, you know, 10 to 15 line items on it of revenues and expenses. It doesn't have to be, you know, 50. It needs to be more than three. Okay, um, and And then it shows the progression of, growth and you know, in your revenues or your key number of customers or adoptions, you need to understand what the right metrics are about your business. And some of them need can be soft, that's okay. Uh, but it needs to be more than eyeballs. Uh, and, and some of it needs to be hard. It needs to be actual numbers. Everyone understands that your numbers are wrong. What's right. I get that. Your projections are always wrong. But they need to be uh, uh, intellectually de- defensible.
0: Okay, they no, that makes it, sense.
1: It, they need to be in, you know, these are intelligent, well-thought-through uh, plans that are based on reasonable good assumptions. Um, look, there's a bit of a marketing game that goes on with this page, and um, it's kind of a double-edged sword. The truth of the matter is, is that there needs to be enough activity in those projections over a five year period that it excites people. It needs to move their needle, so to speak. Fair. Uh, and so, you know, you are marketing a little bit here. On the other hand, I saw a deck recently where the person showed, um, I think it was 10 times growth five years in a row. I'm not good at math, whatever that is, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just crazy. Um, and that was across like, you know the revenue metric and the customers adopted. Metric, it was just, you know, went from like four people to 400,000 in four years or something, and and um, that's laughable. And so you kind of have to, uh, you need to be sensible. Uh, you, 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 it needs to be it needs to be sensible based off some intelligent assumptions. look everybody expects some optimism again you want to you want to show the needle moving but um don't make it a joke
0: yeah that makes sense that's really good advice Um, actually
1: but most people you'd think so but the the steepness of the hockey stick you typically see it's what people call it because that's how the projections look like a hockey stick yeah um it's so steep too often it's kind of silly um Trying to think what I missed. I mean, those are the, the, the those are the key components, really. Um, oh, and then the other thing is, what the ask? ask? Um, you know, h- how much you how much are you trying to raise, and what would it be used for? So, sure. if you're raising five if you're raising five hundred thousand uh, dollars, where would the five thousand dollars go? Five hundred thousand, excuse me, a- a- and over what period of time would it be used? And what for? Now you don't need to put 20 line items of the what for, but don't just say marketing. You know, <laughs> it needs it needs to have a little more depth than that, um, where you know the investor will understand. Okay, this is how the money is going to be used.
0: Sure, that makes sense.
1: So, and
0: it, it's interesting to me because so like what you just talked about. I, I watch Shark Tank pretty much weekly. And it, it is interesting to me how many people kind of just blow this whole thing. You're right. It is, and like the, sometimes the sharks just tear them apart because they're like, there's no way our company's worth anything. Or, you know, and they're saying it's worth four four million or something.
1: Well, the, the producers know that, and sure. uh, they have they have to bring on a couple of bozos uh, or people that look like they would be more appropriately contestants on The Price Is Right than <laughs> you know you know these hyper enthusiastic people in costumes and uh, who have some loony idea about something because that adds to the entertainment value. But you'd be surprised, you know. That aside, you'd be surprised how even in normal angel meetings. Some of the ideas aren't as vetted uh, as you would have expected.
0: Interesting. Huh. That's that's quite, that's that's a lot to consume. I'm just trying to think about this as, as we, you know, kind of talk about this and just kind of, you know, just in my own experience, it's interesting how you, you talk about this stuff and um, how important it really is to make sure that when you're pitching, you need to make sure that you've, you know, done your homework, done your research. And, and I think one of the big things that people forget is, and you mentioned earlier, is make sure you do your research on people who are looking to invest because you're right. If they don't invest in medical devices and, and you're looking to do something in the medical space, you know, you might have missed the boat. But I find some people just want to get money from anybody and they don't really care. Well, and They don't really realize that that could be really hurt, hurtful to their business.
1: Yeah, you just, look, you only have so much time. So, you know, do your own research. The other reason I'd tell you to do your research besides making sure that you're pitching to the appropriate group for you, uh, is, you know, again, this is back what I'm saying before, you know, at that stage, you're not just looking for money. You're looking for the right partner. Whoever invests in you is going to be pretty involved in your business. Sure. Um, you know, they'll have a board seat. Uh, they're going to want to meet with you frequently. You're going to want to meet with them frequently. You're, you want their commercial connections, their advice. You're just not. It, it, it's um, unrealistic for people to think that the way the process works is you raise money and they give you money, and then you, you know, send them financial reports and that's it. Um, you really don't want that, even though you might think you do. And that's not how it really works. Even if you wanted it to work that way, so. Uh, You're looking for people whose skill sets, career history, uh, connections, uh, all are additive to the equation of trying to make you successful. Um, And you need to be prepared to have them in your life, which should also tell you that when you go through that negotiating period, uh, you should be, when you have to start negotiating your documents, uh, you know, you'll have interest that you want a smart attorney to help you uh, negotiate, and that's critical because you don't know the stuff, and even if you read, you know, Brad Feld's Venture Deals, you're not going to learn enough to really negotiate a good deal. You're going to need a good attorney. But how somebody negotiates with you should tell you also about whether or not you want them as a partner.
0: Sure, and probably um, how interested they are in your actual business.
1: Yeah, because look, it's the beginning. This is the beginning of the relationship. So, if the negotiation process, you, uh, for whatever reason, you, it starts giving you a lot of heartburn. Well, you know, maybe you don't need to keep going down the path. Maybe that's the indicator that it's probably not a good fit. Now, some of this could be a function of, uh, typically, for a lot of entrepreneurs are newer to business. It might be your own discomfort or lack of understanding, et cetera. So make sure that it's not about you, that you, know, you need to be educated on the process and make sure that your, comf- your discomfort is valid and not some function of your own you know, shortcoming. But if it is valid, then pay attention to your gut because you're stuck with these people. So you, know, go- you, you want to make sure that whoever you end up having your partner is somebody that you want to have as your, your partner. And you're there, you're involved with them.
0: Sure. Well, and it could be years, right? You're
1: getting married. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're basically getting, you know, married in business and just like the real world, divorces are difficult. They're, you know, they're messy. So.
0: No, I, I think that's, that's awesome advice. And sadly, Bob, we're out of time. But
1: uh, I I think I talk too much. We always run out of time. (laughs) No, no, it's good. That
0: the the thing is, it's it's good content. It's interesting. Um, How about in closing, kind of maybe mention where people can find uh, the Startup Expo online and uh, any other social media you want to promote. I know you're quite active on uh, you know LinkedIn and a few other social media platforms.
1: Well, I will. Before I say that, you know, a lot of the stuff's available on Google, so Google out there and learn more about how to raise capital. Sure. Uh, in terms of Supex the Startup Expo, again, our, our website is sup-x.org. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at, at the X, which is just at the supx. Um, and I love it. I love meeting people on LinkedIn, so you can... Uh, please invite me to join you on LinkedIn. I'm I'm Bob Fitz, and uh, with Supex, the Startup Expo, I have over 22,000 LinkedIn connections all over the world, and they're all in the startup space. And I enjoy uh, meeting others, so I'd be happy to connect on LinkedIn as well we we have a facebook page for supex also an instagram account and i couldn't tell you how to find either if i had to (laughs) (laughs) well i'll post my my marketing director will not be happy about that (laughs) i'm sure you can find us there if you wanted to and actually uh if you look on our website the social media links may be there
0: sure i will also put the all these uh links in the show notes and I, i think it's interesting just to maybe mention quick is you and I connected on uh, LinkedIn. We didn't know each other outside of nope. LinkedIn before, right? And we met, what was it, March, May? No, it got to be May. May, june uh, hey, yeah, somewhere in there. And,
1: and you and I are diagonally about as far across as you can get from one another in North America, but that was just uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, I spend an hour and a half on LinkedIn every morning, every day of the week of the year. Really? Uh, connecting with people that are in... You know, LinkedIn sent you this thing called People You May Know, and if they, if they're a startup or they're you know in the VC or the angel world or they're in accelerators, or incubators, or organizations like Startup Canada, uh, and I, you know, we're, then we obviously have similar interests, and I write them a personal invitation and ask them to connect, and lots don't, and lots do, and that's how you and I met, and yeah. it's, it's and it's and, and you'd be, it is amazing, Kevin, how many of our speakers. Uh, uh, that where they came from as well, which tells you, um, look from a user interface standpoint, <laughs> you know, LinkedIn has a has a lot of things uh, to be desired.
2: Sure. Yeah. In
1: terms of a, in terms of the tool itself, I, I'm an enormous advocate of it. I I've met so many awesome people, and so many of them are a part of Supex and, and other things that I do. Uh, i think it's a cool tool if you in in, the more you use it the more you learn better ways to
0: use it too totally i'm the same way like i I think i'm at almost twelve thousand linkedin connections now and i use it all the time and i kind of do i don't do it daily but i kind of go through uh you know days every you know maybe a couple times a month where i'll just heavily kind of connect with people and and like-minded people and it's in a lot of cases, well, it's how I met you, it's how I got the radio show, it's how I got my book deal, it's how, you know, it's all through LinkedIn for the most part.
1: It's a powerful tool. The one other thing I'll say real quick before we cut off, and I know you got to go, if people do go to our website, go to the uh, press page and, and click on the newsletters. We have newsletters we send out every two weeks to about 25,000 people throughout North America who are in the startup space. But there's a sign-up button on there, so if they just hit the sign-up button, then from that point forward, every time we send a newsletter out every two weeks announcing our new speakers, you know, special pricing, all kinds of stuff, they'll be in the loop about what's going on with Supac.
0: Perfect, man. All right, well, uh, this has been awesome. Thanks again for doing this, and uh, we'll be in touch, and I look forward to seeing you in person in Florida in February.
1: It's always a pleasure, Kevin. I really appreciate your help, and we're looking forward to seeing you all, too.
0: Perfect. Thanks, man. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can visit past shows at buildingthefutureshow.com. If you're going to the Startup Expo on February 16th and 17th in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and want to record an episode, please contact me. The music for the show is by Electric Mantra. Check them out at electricmantra.com. Until next time, keep building the future.